0: Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Cantor Managed ETF Portfolios. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today, 12th of June, 2023. You can follow me intro week on either Twitter or LinkedIn if there is additional commentary. Presentation you're seeing and or hearing has been prepared by Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors, LP, for use with investors and financial advisors who are each expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice or a recommendation for the purchase or sale of any securities. It is for informational purposes only. There is no tax advice. As such, investors should be advised to consult their own tax advisor. Well, last week, equities rose across the board, but the leadership switched. We had been seeing leadership all year from large cap, predominantly driven by the heavily weighted tech names on this new AI artificial intelligence rally, which has sort of buoyed stocks beyond some of the deteriorating fundamentals that a lot of strategists have correctly identified, but failed to identify the boost, the sentiment boost that is occurring related to artificial intelligence. This week, the leadership shifted from big cap tech, although they didn't exactly go down, to mid and small cap stocks. We also saw a big rally in emerging markets. Interest rates were a little changed, the aggregate bond index down 15 basis points, but in sympathy with small and mid cap, we saw high yield, which I've often referred to as mid cap equity with a coupon. High yield was up a quarter percent, now leading for the year. Hard to imagine that you're in recession in a mild or maybe about to enter a mild recession and high yield is one of your leading bond asset classes. Normally it would be treasuries, but high yield ahead of treasuries for the year. Let's take a look at the economic data last week. I'd say it was mixed to negative, even though equity markets continue to rally. S&P Global Services PMI for the month of May this is 85% of the economy, according to the Marquette, or formerly known as market now S&P, rose from 53.6 to 54.9. So that's one, two, three, four months in a row of service sector expansion. However, a competitive reading metric from ISM says that ISM services fell from 51.9 to 50.3, kind of. Below, fully well below expectations, and right at that line of between expansion and contraction. This is what I mean by we're in likely a very shallow recession without big job losses, though I'm going to give you news on that here in a moment. Moving on to factory orders for the month of April, they rose four tenths of a percent, about half as much as expected. I don't really get too worried when you have you know, a few down months or a few flat months, because as you can see historically, this is a very volatile series. Uh, sometimes you have big downs or big big ups because of aircraft orders. Uh, so nothing really to see here. We move on to durable goods orders. April durable goods orders were up 1.1%, right in line with estimates of 1.1%. Okay, but then we move into trade deficit. The April trade deficit came in at 74.6 billion. Uh, that was about in line with the estimate of 75.8, well worse than the 64 billion um, in March, and the worst in six months as exports decline. So that's, you know, the, the deficit is uh, exports minus imports. We import more than we export. That is a subtraction from GDP a lot of that extra import is debated. Is it because of petroleum and oil, which we had gone to, uh, we had gone to net exporters and our deficit was down significantly back uh, here, and then we started to import more petroleum, but is it also just due to the fact that we're a very wealthy nation and we have disposable income and we can purchase goods and services from abroad? It's both. It's both, no doubt, but a very large contributor to this negative of GDP is the fact that we import a fair amount of petroleum or energy into our country. In, in April, consumer credit rose to $22 billion, uh, rose an additional $22 billion, right in line with the estimate of 23. But a survey that was announced along with this monthly report that was conducted for Bloomberg News found that over 50% of us do not have the financial resources to cover a surprise billion, $400 expense without taking on credit. Speaking of consumer credit, delinquency rates are on the rise. This is a sign that's also consistent with recession. So even though the labor market's been strong, higher prices have been a challenge and the labor market is strong, but weakening and don't forget, consumers of uh, that, that use student loans have had a three-year pause in payments all the way back related to COVID relief. Now, starting in August, they're going to have to start repaying those loans. That will be a modest drag on consumer spending because they'll have to repurpose that income over to make those student loan payments. So what does it look like? Well, the Federal Reserve's report on uh, delinquency rates of all consumer loans is rising, as you can see there, getting a little over two and a quarter percent, not like it was in 08, where we got to four and a half, nearly 5 percent, but getting consistent with the recession rates almost that we experienced in COVID. We don't need to go up much more in the next quarterly report to be consistent with the COVID recession. Also, jobless claims surprised significantly to the upside last week. Jobless claims rose to 261,000. Clearly, we are now in a bit of an uptrend with that spike. We have kind of hovered here around 235 to 245. This two days ahead, I'm telling you this two days ahead of the Fed meeting, uh, there's, it doesn't seem possible that the Fed could raise interest rates in light of the spike in weekly jobless claims. But there's another inflation report this week, CPI and then PPI. If those were to disappoint and come in hot, the Fed would need to make a tough choice. We're seeing delinquency rates up for consumer loans. We're seeing a spike in jobless claims, and we're seeing a decline in household net worth. Clearly, there are disinflationary, if not deflationary, forces at work, they just need to percolate through and work themselves into the monthly reports. So I believe there's no chance the Fed raises interest rates at this week's meeting, though the futures market still suggests there's a 26% chance of a rate hike. This is what I was talking about when I mentioned household net worth. First quarter, 23 Household net worth declined by about $3 trillion. So you can see that about 2.4%. It's the second largest year-over-year percentage change behind the 2008-2009 financial crisis. You can see here at a little over 2 point, about 24 2.45% change year-over-year. You go back here, all these prior recessions, we didn't even get there in the 70s. We only got there in the 08-09. So this is significant, the bear market, the decline in 401k balances, this may be some stagnation in some real estate uh, prices, but because households needed to spend more because of inflation, they were unable to add to their net worth at the same time their 401k balances, et cetera, have declined. So none of this is particularly rosy or positive for the overall economy, that being said, I don't see this as a catastrophic large-scale recession like 08. I see it as a very shallow and narrow one. And I do think, as I've been mentioning, we're in it. Okay, economic data this week. What matters? CPI report and PPI report Tuesday and Wednesday. Will they influence the Fed? Well, we don't know. Fed funds is between five and five and a quarter. Consensus is for no change. I think that's the case even if these numbers come in worse than expected. Then we'll move because of weekly jobs claims and some of the other things i mentioned. Then we've got a, sl- a, sl- a slew of reports on Thursday from jobs claims, import and export prices, New York and Philly manufacturing surveys expected to be negative, which they've been for some time, capacity utilization, production, and consumer sentiment. This is available, don't forget, as a podcast. Simply tell your smart device you're driving, Hey Siri, hey Google, etc. play Herb Morgan's podcast or play Slaying Bulls and Bears. It's available on whatever format you use. If you're listening on the podcast and you'd like to get this along with the, go- the graphs and charts, the slideshow, simply email us info uh, at efficient-portfolios.com and we will put you on the list. Thanks, everybody. I'll be back to you again next week.